When you do marriage God's way, it's interesting because marriage gets better the longer it lasts. The meaning of marriage biblically. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother and sister, you need the word. Do you ever hate or just get irritated when somebody who's not even married tries to give you marriage advice? Take it a step further, somebody that's not even in a relationship tries to give you marriage advice? Or if you have kids, somebody without kids tries to give you marriage advice? Whew, I can understand that. Anyways, today the title of my sermon is The Meaning of Marriage, Biblically. (laughs) I'm presently not in a relationship, but I'm going to follow the leadings of the Lord and teach what he has given me. (laughs) So starting out, let's just jump right into the word. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Right away, we can tell very clearly that marriage biblically is a unique relationship. Where else in the word or in the world do you see two people coming together as one flesh? You can make an argument for conjoined twins, but other than that, we see it nowhere. (laughs) And this unique relationship, this mysterious connection is beautiful. It should be the most important relationship that an individual has after God. And I can imagine a few people thinking in their heads right away, what about the kids? Even more important than the kids. And there's several reasons for this. On one hand, having a good marriage and prioritizing it models it for the kids. Having a good marriage benefits everybody in the family, in the household. Still, don't get me wrong, kids are incredibly important. They come from marriages, they're raised, and they're intended to be raised to be warriors in a world where we're undergoing constant spiritual warfare. It's important to raise your kids as warriors, to worship as a family, to have participatory Bible studies, to ask hard questions at the dinner table. And if you want to dive deeper into this, having family-based faith, you can read the book Family Driven Faith by Vodi Bauckham. It's exceptional, and it talks about some hard issues that are rarely addressed. Continuing, we're told, let not man separate, yet the divorce rate is high. And I'm sure y'all have heard several statistics over the years, whether it was 50% or 30% in a year, but the most recent one in 2021, I believe, was 41%. That's still a significant number. But when you do marriage God's way, it's interesting because marriage gets better the longer it lasts. You see, the honeymoon phase does not at all have to be the best phase of marriage. Now, if all you're looking for and prioritizing is how you feel, then the honeymoon phase is going to be your best time. (laughs) But there's more to marriage than feelings. Marriage is a lot of love. And it'll come down to how you define love to determine how you see marriage. Because there are people that just look at love as infatuation, as feeling sky high, feeling on cloud nine, never wanting to separate from the person because they make you feel so good. I got a tough word for you, friend. Feelings fade, and usually they fade in mere months. (laughs) 
So this leads to a very beautiful question. If you're not yet married and you're considering it, you gotta ask, why am I getting married? Is it because you think this person is your soulmate, the only person for you? Is it because they make you feel good? Is it merely because they're attractive? Well, first, let's dive into the word and what it says you ought to do in marriage. And then I'll give an ideal answer. Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 33, NLT states, For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Firstly, there's marital submission. And I think many times what I've heard in the church has been a heavy misinterpretation and misconstruction of that word. I mean, it's been misconstrued significantly, especially to promote patriarchy and various other things. I want to start off by saying marital submission does not mean marital inequality or marital difference in importance. That's not at all what it is. It's not saying that the husband is more important or greater than the wife. What it is, is an order of function. By the wife submitting and having a singular head, there is greater ability to lead and greater ability to take responsibility. It's hard when there's significant issues and significant clashes within a household and both parties hold directly equal levels of decision-making power. That causes for some great and long-lasting arguments. <laughs> Secondly, Answering the question of why should I marry this person or why do I want to marry this person is a paraphrase of what Mike Winger stated. And it was beautiful. You marry this person because you want to commit to loving them. Simple. You marry the person because you want to commit to loving them. Now, for starters, love is not an uncontrollable force. Love is a choice. Love is a action. I mean, as Christ defined it, loving them as you love your own body. No man hates his own body. For example, an individual who feeds themselves, who brushes their teeth, who washes their face, who brushes their hair. They're caring for themselves. And it's an interest-based love. You put their interest as high as you put your own or even greater. Love is an action and a choice. And additionally, for wives especially, that you're willing to respect your husband. And to do this every day for both love and respect. Now, I'm not saying, and the Bible is not saying, that husbands don't respect your wives or wives don't love your husbands. No. What it is saying is that it's especially important for a husband to love his wife. And especially important for a wife to respect her husband. Additionally, they're really like two sides of the same coin. By loving his wife, he respects her. By respecting her husband, she loves him. It's beautiful, really. And I mean every day, loving and respecting them. When it gets tough, arguments are inevitable. 
Going through marriage, you're going to go through some very rocky and wavy waters, but you love them every day anyway. <laughs> there was a beautiful analogy that came to my mind that was inspired by a sermon, though they didn't say it this way. And it was, imagine it to be a game, and you have a high score of love. The score resets every day at midnight, and from that day on, you try every day to beat your previous high score, that every day you try and love them as much as you possibly can in that day, and at midnight, you start it over again. Every day, commit to loving them, because loving is a choice. Lastly, there's sacrifice. Go into a marriage knowing you're going to have to sacrifice some things. Y'all are two people that are far from identical, most likely. No matter how close it seems, no matter how much of a match made in heaven you think the other person is, y'all are going to have some disagreements. And if you're not willing to sacrifice some things to make some concessions, it's going to be a real painful time for both of you. You're going to have to be able to sacrifice your time, your energy, and your attitude. As a sermon titled, The Four Fundamental Rules of Marriage stated, Time is the Commodity of Relationships. You're going to have to sacrifice your time. And that energy is not just vain time. It's not just spending time in front of a screen, not focusing on each other, just together in proximity. No, it's valuable and quality time. Your attitude, because if you come to that relationship, you come to that time with an attitude, it just makes it harder for everybody involved. Because again, loving is a choice and it's not just feelings. In closing, <laughs> I like that boom. <laughs> As 1 Peter 4, verse 8 stated, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. This is Easter, and I didn't forget. <laughs> Making that connection as Christ died and rose on the third day in love and in sacrifice. He covered all of our sins, and that's my time. So deeply love your spouse always, for it covers a multitude of sins. And the last thing I want to say is, marriage is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So hang on and prepare for a long run. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, The Meaning of Marriage, Biblically, by George Bronner. This message is number 4105. That's 4105. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4105 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word. Oh,